We'll talk about how we deal with our children this morning. And as we look at 2024, our paramount mission is to bring the gospel to them again and again. And this last song, How Deep the Father's Love, is such a beautiful uh, example of what we're looking at in our text in Deuteronomy 6. It's always a danger preaching or teaching, talking about a passage that is super familiar to people. And uh, I'm not trying to bring any new or fresh insight, just trying to get into what the passage is saying. Um, Jay Adams used to say, we don't need something more. We need more of the something we already have. And so this is a passage that we, we don't need to have something new out of it, but we need to see more of the depth that's there. So Lord willing, that's what we'll be able to accomplish this morning. So let me read the passage. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you're getting up. Moses, is, this is the beginning of Moses' addresses to the people in Israel. These are the last, these five sermons in Deuteronomy are the last things that he says to his, the children of Israel before he is taken up. But these words here are important words for us to grasp. And this morning, Jay, I apologize, I have three points, but uh, anyway, I'm sure we can endure this. But anyway, here they are. As parents, we must be totally in love with God and committed to his word. Point number two, we must live this commitment out before our children 24-7 each day. And then thirdly, we must nourish our children with grace and truth. So point number one, parents, we must be totally in love with God and committed to his word. When Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, by a Pharisee trying to trick him, a teacher of the law. So, teacher, tell us, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says two of them, but the first one is he repeats here from uh, Deuteronomy 6.5. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And those aren't just words to be put on a placard. They're meant to be lived out in life. And then Moses continues to warn them and challenge them in Deuteronomy 32, verse 47, he says this. These words, these instructions, they're not empty words. They're not idle words for you. These words are your life. And as we study the nation of Israel, up through our study in the book of Kings, we see that this is true. The people that bought into what God was about in his word, they had life. We had Israel who, especially in the northern kingdom, who had the words of God, but not the life of God. So they felt free to turn from those things. Even more underscoring this idea that these words are our life and the importance of these words in Deuteronomy, we see Psalm 19, verse 8, beginning talking about the wonder of God's word. The um, NIV says, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. 
the New Living here says the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. And that's a true application, but it's important not to miss what the text is saying about living, giving light to the eyes. Giving light to the eyes is the same language that's used when Jonathan was out fighting the Philistines, and he was about wiped out, full, just drained of energy, and he found some honey and he ate it. And the passage says that light was brought to his eyes and he had renewed energy to fight. That's the same word here. So it's, we do gain insight, but there's a physical, beautiful dimension to the Word of God giving light to us. Dale Ralph Davis says about this portion of Psalm 19, he says, God's Word refreshes, energizes, and renews the strength of God's weary people. And I think we have to admit that we are often weary, and there's nothing wrong with being weary. But what we need to do is to find ways to be renewed. And that's what Deuteronomy is calling us to, to be renewed by the Word of God. Isn't this what you want for your children, for yourself, to have that sense of encouragement and renewal and excitement about God's Word? This is what will protect us and our children. And if we want the Word of God to be life-giving and precious to our kids, obviously it needs to be life-giving and precious to us. There needs to be a practicality and a beauty of the Word of God, which is what Deuteronomy is talking about. He says, with all of your heart, all of your soul, and commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands. In other words, the things that are on our heart from the Word of God are to be given to our children. And we'll look at that more in just a moment. But we're always challenged with this idea of practicality. Is God's word really helpful and true? Can we always rely on it? Well, a practical example, which I know you all went through when we worked with Jay through Numbers. As an example, the first practical decision the children of Israel had to make when they faced, when they entered the promised land, was something to obey God and go into the promised land. He not only promised that they would give him he would give them all these wonderful things that are in the land. He commanded them to do it. So Moses sent 12 men, one from each tribe, to scout out the land. The 12 spies returned to the land, returned and saying the land was indeed overflowing with milk and honey and wonderful things. But 10 of the scouts said the people living there were too strong for them. They would uh, defeat us. We don't have a chance. But Caleb, he and Joshua, the two who were not swayed by this uh, practical opinion, said in Numbers 13.30, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Not because he had this great confidence in himself, but he has this confidence in the word of God. He bought in to the truth of Deuteronomy 6. But, reading in verse 31 in Numbers 13, 
But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we have traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were very huge. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. That's what they thought, too, of us. Now, this idea of giants, from the records we have and the study that we have, and Goliath was an example of that, these turkeys were nine feet tall. These are a pretty formidable person, right? You see a nine-foot-tall guy who's a professional warrior, that's a little bit scary. And that's exactly what the ten spies are referring to. They're saying, we can't do this. They're saying, they're too much for us. Now remember, this is the same crowd that saw God send the ten plagues on Egypt. Ten powerful plagues. The same crowd that saw God open the Red Sea, allowed all the Israelites to come through, and then when this huge Egyptian army came in to wipe them out, God wiped out the Egyptian army. But that was lost on them. Yes, the Canaanite giants were too much for Israel, but they weren't too much for God. That's what happens when you buy into Deuteronomy 6. You see that God is the one who is all-powerful. We stop being quote-unquote, earthly practical, we start being practical in the sense of what is truly real. Forty years in the wilderness followed, and all the practical people died in the desert. Reminds us again of verse 6. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. They didn't do that. They got practical. The practical Israelites were not wholeheartedly committed to trusting God's word. Yes, required some faith and trust. You know, facing somebody that's nine feet tall, who wants to kill you and is very expert at it, and all you've done for 40 years, is be, all you've done to, up to this time is be a professional whiner, I can see the problem. But God's word is greater. And they bought into it. They committed themselves wholeheartedly. That's what the faithful folks of Israel did. Our children, in a similar way, will be given practical alternatives to trust in God. Alternatives that make sense on an earthly perspective. When they see us wavering and considering the practical alternatives of the world, then we give them reasons not to be wholehearted. We just saw an example of that, didn't we, in First Kings? When Elijah challenges the people, what does he say? Choose this day whom you will serve. Serve the practical God, Baal, who says he gives you water, who says he gives you food, who says he gives you sex when you worship, or choose the word of God. Which one of you? And of course the people responded, not a word, because they wanted to see who would win the contest. That's what Jay's been talking to us about. Our children see when we waver. They see when we don't have that wholehearted commitment, when we're not totally sold out to God. Our kids are entering a world that is full 
of supposed practical wise alternatives. But they will destroy our children as well as us in the same way that Israel met their fate. So we need to be committed wholeheartedly. That brings us to point number two. We must live the commitment to our children 24-7. Look at verse 7 in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Reading from the NLT. NLT does a great job on this one, so I'm you know, not, not, not bashing it. I'm just nuances are huge. NLT says, repeat them, these words of God, again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. The ESV translation says, you shall teach them diligently to your children, placing the emphasis on the teaching that's done. In ASB is similar. You shall repeat them diligently to your children. NIV, I think, NIV gets a little closer and impress them on your children. I'm good friends, fortunate enough to be good friends with uh, Dr. Mark Furtado, who's a professor of Old Testament and Hebrew at the uh, Reformed Seminary in Orlando. And I asked him about this verse, and he said the NLT is the closest, repeating them again and again to your children. This repeating is to be done in what Deuteronomy is telling us in everyday life situations not just in formal teaching situations, which the idea of teach them diligently kind of conveys that. We have a formal, energetic teaching all the time, a diligent. We need to be able to do that, but that is not what's being conveyed here. What's being conveyed is living out the truth of God in all the various scenarios of life, talking about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Now, see, if we take that formal idea of teaching diligently, then you might think, well, then I'm supposed to have a class with my children when they wake up. So, no, kids, get out of bed and sit in your chair and we're going to teach. That's not what's being communicated. And I think you can agree with me, it wouldn't go over very well if we tried. God's mercies are new every day. Do we reflect reality when we get up in the morning? That reality can be one of exuberance, but it can be also one of a quiet resolve when life is hard. Our children need to see that we are committed to the faithfulness of God from the moment we wake up so that they can grasp that as well. The reality is that every day God has prepared something special for you and for your children so that you and they can know him more deeply. That's how deep the Father's love for us. That's what he does. We need to trust him in the mundane and the ordinary parts of life because they're not random. The quote-unquote mundane and the quote-unquote ordinary are just as vital, just as huge as something we might say which is spectacular. Talking about your love for God, your love for his truth, in every life situation, is what will protect your children. Look at me. Look from, you can turn there if not, or just listen. I'm going to read from Proverbs uh, chapter 6, 20 and 22. My son, obey your father's commands. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. 
This reminds us very much of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. The father is saying here to his, to his son, things that mom and I teach you hang on to you. And then when you walk, they will counsel you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. Again, Ephesians 6.3 says that it will go well with them if they obey their parents and follow the words. Notice the similarity here in Deuteronomy 6 and Proverbs 6. Deuteronomy 6, we have on the road, going to bed, getting up. Proverbs 6, when you walk, when you sleep, when you wake up. Exactly the same pattern that's here. See, training by rote and command and formal class won't get it here. It's in the muck and mess of everyday life. When transfer is not information-based, but heart-based. Heart-to-heart training. It needs to be lived out in the mess of everyday life. This makes us, this fits very well with what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us in you in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has prepared things for us to do each day to honor him. They may not be big, spectacular things, but being gracious to your parents, being kind to your children, quickly responding, those kinds of things are the things that God has prepared. I don't want to hear, I don't want to pass over the word masterpiece here. Some of your translations will say workmanship. The NLT says masterpiece. It's from the Greek word poema, which is basically a work of art in progress. It's being built. That reminds us, it takes us back to the Psalms. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was being woven together in the dark of the womb. See, like us, our children need to have a sense of purpose, that God has designed us for good things. We need to know our children well enough so that we can uncover those things, not force them into molds, but to work with them. I think, you know, if we've had children, we can all pretty quickly acknowledge that our kids can be complex. That's a nice way of saying difficult. But then we lose sight of the fact that they are wonderfully complex. They are wonderfully difficult. Something for us to figure out about them. It's a challenge that God is giving us. See, our children must know that we believe that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are works of art and progress. They are God's marvelous workmanship, especially as we apply the needed discipline and correction that God commands. In our baptismal vows, consistent with the scripture, we say that our children are lost and in deep, urgent need of the saving grace that only can come from faith in Christ. Yes, that's bedrock. But it comes in the context of Psalm 139, about them being wonderfully complex, marvelously knitted together, about God working in them to make them fit for his kingdom. 
to preparing good works for them. Yes, they are works of art in progress. They need to be saved. They need to be held the truth of God. That doesn't negate what God made them to be. We need to value our children. If we, all we do is talk about how they're failing, how they need to do better, they're going to have the idea that they have to perform to be accepted. But brothers and sisters, which of us wants to stand before God on the basis of our performance? I pray none of us. We stand before God because of the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ extended to us. Our children had to see that God has given them things to do and that he, by his saving grace, will only expand and explore those things, explode those things into beautiful, precious opportunities. There's a reason why we obey. Not just to be good, but to be in sync with who God is, what he's called us to be. This brings us to the last point, point three. We're to nourish our children with grace and truth. Turning again to Ephesians, we see this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This discipline and instruction is bringing them up. The word there for bring them up is nourish them up. Just a couple of lines earlier in Ephesians 5.30, we read, No one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. That same word, nourish, is what's here for bring them up. There's a slight ending at the, uh, in the Greek, but the word, root word is the same. We need to nourish our children, not just train and discipline and do this or else, but have them know that they're being fed, they're being equipped to do what God has called them to do. This brings us right back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Heart-to-heart transfer. Nourishing with words of hope and awe for what God has made your child to be. We don't want them to have a sense that I have to obey to be accepted. That's not what Jesus does. Psalm 103 says that God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Nourishing with hope and awe at what God has made your child to be. Can they be a handful? Absolutely. Can they bring you to a point where you feel despair? Absolutely. Is God able to help you through that? Even more absolutely he can. Angry words will not nourish your child, but provoke them to anger. Words of frustration why don't you just do this? <clears throat> will provoke your children. Rules learned by rote without connected to relationship. They don't nourish, they provoke. We learn that in Colossians. God's truth is given to them to know and trust God when they walk during the day, when they sleep at night, and when they awake to begin the day. Words spoken again and again given by hearts blown away by the wonder of loving and knowing God. That's what God is calling us to. That's what Deuteronomy 6 is calling us to. Bringing up our children without hope, without the hope of the gospel, without a sense that we believe that they are wonderfully complex. 
without our dependence on the mercy of God in our life to help us present the truth of the gospel to them. Without those things, it'll only produce children that are angry, children who have been provided, provoked to anger. That's what Ephesians 6 is warning us against. Bring children up. If we bring them up without nourishing them, we rob them of the gospel. If we bring them with all the truths that Ephesians has been talking about, all the things that Paul tells us to tell them, then we give them hope. So remember again, your words of hope, encouragement, and awe, and dependence upon God, and discovering the wonderfully complex child that your your child is, to present the gospel to them in that beautiful complexity. That's where hope is. My son, obey your father's commands. Do not neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words on your heart. Always tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will counsel you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. That's where we want our children to be in 2024 and the years ahead. Relying on these truths, given from our hearts to their hearts, so that they can know the wonder and glory of Christ. This is what God is calling us to in 2024. Speak to your children from your heart about the wonder of his truth again, again, and again. Let's pray. Father, we pray that these familiar passages will sink deeply into our hearts. They will provide us hope, provide us encouragement, and that we can nourish our children to be be the people you have called them to be. Help us present the truth of the gospel so that their sin does not keep them from the wonderful beauty of Christ, from the hope that is ours. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the hope that you give us each day. For we ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen.